waiting. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to the Conclave. The Conclave is Lave Radio's community invite show where we ask members of the community to come on the show and discuss a particular topic of the day. This episode is called Clash of Clans Part 2, so it isn't going to take a genius to work out that we're following on from the last episode where we're talking about the role of groups, clans, guilds and organisations and the metagame at large in relation to Elite Dangerous. I'm delighted to have four guests on the show that all have a slightly different angle on the concept of groups from the guests we had on on last week's show. From the largest group in the game at the moment, I'm delighted to welcome onto the show Liam Rafferty, otherwise known as Mobius from the PvE group Mobius. Hi Chris, Mobius, been a long-term player, joined during the Kickstarter as one of the early Kickstarter backers and playing Elite uh, since. Excellent, how many people in the Mobius group at the moment? Well, currently uh, we're at 6,234 members, and Jeez. that grows at about 30 members every day. Crikey. Okay, well, in joining Mobius, we have Alison Goodman from the exploration group known as the First Great Expedition. Hello, Chris. Thanks for uh, inviting us to talk tonight. Give us a little bit of background about the First Great Expedition, Alison. We're uh, basically a core group of explorers looking for everything that's unknown about the game and that, yeah, especially deep space exploring. At the moment, we're just getting to grips with the wings and that, which uh, is a good bonus for us and that. We've got a uh, little research trip and that planned in a couple of weeks and that on the 11th of April, where we're planning to go out to do a detailed survey of the Vigor sector. Cool. Okay, well, we'll come on to a little bit more about that in a second. So, joining Alison and Liam, we also have Chris Meyer, who is from a group representing the Twitch TV community of Elite Dangerous. Hi, Chris. My name's Chris. Uh, I stream under the name Amnus Lupus. Uh, my in-game name is Commander E. Malum. I've got a, a bunch of good Twitch streamers that uh, I group with. We are constantly sharing plans and coming up with great, awesome things for our communities to do together. Excellent stuff. And you actually sort of, you split into quite a few different communities, don't you? You have the, the Alt Control Elite group, which uh, I think is a fantastic group name. <laughs> yeah, that's our Twitch streaming group. It comprises probably a dozen or more people. Um, we also have my in-game fleet, uh, Classis Aerodanus. We're a Imperial naval fleet, so pretty much anything that in, involves um, military operations with protecting or involved in the Imperial progression that's basically what we handle brilliant stuff well again it's uh, something we'll uh, delve a little bit deeper to as we go through the show the uh, final member of the team joining us this evening is representing one of the largest social media groups we have and that is sam yeager from the edc otherwise known as the elite dangerous community group on facebook how's it going chris i appreciate you guys having me on as you said my name's sam but some may know me as uh, smitty Jaegerman. that's my in-game commander name and uh, it's also the name of our private group we're based in Facebook at the Elite Dangerous community, looking at about 4,500 members at the current time, but we also have the in-game group. We have several subgroups uh, that are more clannish in respect to that regard, like uh, bounty hunting and our home world, our campaigns. We have several uh, trading members that have joined the trading group, so we have a few subsidiaries, and uh, we just try and keep it fun and interesting and uh, try and appeal to the community's needs, basically. Great stuff. And how many members are you currently sitting at in terms of your, your Facebook group? The core group right now has 4,580 members as I look at it. Large, large numbers we're talking about. Okay, so what we're going to do first, we're going to go in and we've got a few open sort of questions that we're going to go through this show. Similar to the questions that we actually spent some time going through on the last episode, but it'd be interesting to get your opinions on the same sort of thing and see how they compare against the this sort of more heavily involved sort of metagaming group that we had on last week. So, I mean, the first one we're going to kick off the show with is, in its current format, do groups, guilds, clans, and the metagame at large currently work in the current build of Elite Dangerous? Uh, I'm going to throw this one straight over to Liam, because, Liam, I'm quite interested in the fact that you have gone straight into uh, a PvE group, which kind of suggests that you want to shy away from the whole metagaming aspect of it. Is that a correct assumption or an incorrect assumption? Um... It's correct to extent. Well, the thing is, I mean, years ago, I used to play EVE Online. And I remember when I first started playing it, I used to think to myself, this would be an excellent single-player game. I have, Me personally, I have I've no interest in sort of like attacking other players or having players attack me. And that's the only thing that ruined it for me for EVE Online. 
was the attacking process of it all. And then obviously Elite came along and uh, they gave us the opportunity to actually create guilds, clans, clubs, whatever you want to call them. Our group isn't a guild, gang or a club. It's pretty much just an environment for like-minded players to play in. And the thing is with that, that we have you know, hundreds of groups work within our environment. Interesting stuff. So you actually have groups that are play within the sort of, yeah, the setup and they do the whole, yeah, for want of a better expression, yeah. the metagaming aspect of it, but they do it within a strictly sort of player-versed environment condition. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at every single Elite that has ever come before Elite Dangerous, it's always been a PvE game, always, as that goes without saying. And this is the first game that's opened it up to the PvP scenario. And there's a lot of mature players out there which have well they just don't have no interest in pvp they're just not that mindset to you know, upset other players games yeah that's why we're very much sort of peaceful environment but uh, there's um, plenty of groups that uh, role play or you know they form their wings within our group and uh, do their stuff quite surprising how many groups you probably had already or will have that actually work within our group interesting okay so you're not, as some people have accused you of being, just being a, a great big group of care bears then. <laughs> uh, I love that word. It means absolutely <laughs> nothing, but I love that word. Um, <laughs> no, no, so those players, that, yeah, they call us care bears or whatnot. Um, we're just uh, people that have no interest in PvP. It's not like we're scared of it. It's just have no interest in it. I mean, if I want to play a PvP game, I'll go load up um, Team Fortress 2. I'll, I'll go into the game equal footing with the, my opponents. I'm going in there for a reason to fight other players, and we're all on equal footing. With Elite, it's, uh, it's a little different. You'll have players which will form up uh, as a pirate group and uh, attack players, you know, lone traders uh, doing their, their own run, and it, it's very, very one-sided. Just, I just feel that, well, obviously our numbers prove that there are a lot of people that uh, have no interest in PvP. And you know, with the thousands of members that we've got, there's still thousands of members which aren't even aware of our group. No, absolutely. And regardless of what anybody levels at you, I think the numbers speak for themselves, don't they, Liam? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I mean, within that and within your Mobius group, would you say the current build of Elite Dangerous is it currently working for what you want it to do? Uh, yeah, with Wings has uh, helped quite a lot because we have a lot of players which they just want to sort of do a bit of trade or a bit of exploring and obviously the benefits of Wings have uh, helped that. So a lot more people are adding each other to their friends list. So when you open your Galaxy map now, they're, they're seeing this huge list of icons around the map and with Wings it's just helped bring a lot of people together. When we first started, uh, you know, I think uh, when the game was launched we had roughly a thousand members and mm. you obviously get the odd comment every now and then is like, I can't see anybody. I'm not seeing anybody at all. <laughs> uh, uh, and which was, you know, it's fair enough when you've got, I mean, I, I don't know how many populated systems there are in uh, the game. I'm figuring out in my head 20,000 systems. So when you've got, mm-hmm. say, a thousand players dotted around, that's nothing. But as, it, as we're starting to approach these, you know, the larger numbers, people are starting to come across other players now. And uh, as I said, we're, on our forums, we've sort of like organized uh, a friends list so people start adding uh, start sort of getting together so uh, and with that a lot more people are sort of promoting our group uh, on the official forums and a lot of people are now becoming aware of it and as i said there's it's a player base out there that wants the classic style of elite again before i move on to the other guys just uh, something that uh, has just popped into my head what's your opinion of frontier developments doing all of these community events where they're now, obviously, previously, you know, you're doing community events. You guys have a certain amount of influence within the community events, things like the, you know, the, the recent Civil War or the, you know, the trading community events. You can all have an impact to those, yet not be exposed to the, you know, the, the community side of it, which would be getting blown up by pirates or getting blockaded by certain groups or even just sort of... Yeah, a solo player wanting to take on the you know, the combat side of that, you can pretty much bypass that in the Mobius group. There is that part of it, but with our numbers, again, there's not enough of us to actually make an impact, I don't think. And I think the argument that you know, we can get away with literally murder as such is that um, <laughs> is, I think is a bit misguided. Uh, we just don't have the numbers to do that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, there are other 
plenty of other private groups, which I'm sure get together to do you know, the community events. But as we're the largest, a lot of fingers are pointing in our direction. I'd say there's a lot of different groups within the Mobius banner, as it were. There's no, uh, there's no one button that Liam can push that says, let's all take everybody in the Mobius group to this system and raise merry hell. No, no. I, I'm, the policy of the group when I first put it into action was that we are a leaderless group. There's no leaders, no chiefs, no managers. Every player just comes in, does, does what they want to do. So, I mean, obviously, I could put some influence out there, but uh, I don't. It's more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> I was going to say, that to me, Liam, knowing you as I do, sounds more like you just want to avoid the admin side of it. There is that. Well, <laughs> you've got to imagine that you know, we've got, there's no group management at all regarding in-game functions. So there, yeah. there's very little I can do to influence uh, the whole thing. So it's not like, you know, you do this or otherwise you're out of the group. It just doesn't work that way. As, as I said, we're just an environment. And there's no centralized sort of organization. There's no centralized Mobius forums. There's no centralized group on Facebook or anything like that. No, no. Everyone's pretty much thrown it own boss, really. I mean, we've got, we've got our Facebook group. It's uh, just short of 700 members. We've got forums, which has got 1,500 members. But, you know, obviously a lot of people aren't interested in getting involved in certain things because we're over 6,000 members and only 1,000 of them just being organized by joining the Facebook group or the yeah. forums just uh, shows you that it, even if the, we were to get organized only a thousand of those members you know have the potential to influence whereupon you've got the i don't know hundred odd thousand players in the all group influence so their argument saying that uh, we can influence or reap the benefits is uh, i think is uh, unwarranted hmm. interesting stuff well let's move on to alison alison the role of an explorer is one that, you know, to most of us, is very sort of dear to our hearts when we played Elite of Old. Uh, How is the current build of Elite Dangerous currently working for you know, the first great expedition? I mean, is it the sort of thing that uh, allows you guys to get organized and helps you be you know, a group of explorers working together? Uh, yes and no. As I said a bit earlier, the wing expansion that came in uh, not long ago, we're going to be testing it. In a couple of weeks, then we go out to the Rigor sector. You know, we're basically going to be doing like small groups in that in wings, and basically those wings are basically going to be going from the starting system out to our what we call our first base camp system. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's HD six eight eight nine five. It's right on the edge of the Rigor sector. Catchy name. Uh, I found it originally when I went out pathfinding that way. We all know about the permit systems all scattered all over the galaxy map. But the Rigor sector is different. It's the only one I've found so far that you need an unknown permit to get into it. Sorry, an, an unknown permit? Yeah, all the other permits are system names like you need a serious permit to get to serious, uh, sole permit to get to sole. But in the Rigor sector, the whole sector, you need an unknown permit. Interesting. And that's the only one that anybody's actually found that uh, requires an unknown permit? That I know of so far, yes. Okay, so what's the plan? Um, are you guys going to just sort of fly out there and just sort of scan around to see if you can find a way of getting that unknown permit? Or is it a question of thinking that, you know, maybe this is an explorer permit, so you need to actually uncover it by doing some sort of uh, system scanning? No, I think it's basically the, the permit itself will probably be something that the developers have got yeah, planned for that sector somewhere down the line. And what we're planning to do is, so we go to that first base camp system, explore around that area, basically go a bit further along, and set up a second base camp system, and then move from the first base camp system to the second base camp system, and explore around there. But the plan being that we're going to do a detailed survey around the entire Rigor sector, see if there's any little holes where we actually get into the Rigor sector. Interesting. Because obviously we know from the development of the game and we know from following the uh, the development news that came out of Frontier Developments, there were going to be certain parts of the galaxy that Frontier Developments were, were going to sort of ring fence and keep to one side to allow for further expansions down the line. Obviously, Thargoids being one that players of old will know, uh, the Thargoids are still out there somewhere. Could it be that this unknown permit system, could it be the Rigor system is there? 
you know, earmarked to be some sort of Thargoid expansion pack. We just don't know at the moment. So it's interesting that you guys are going out there to have a look, and it'll be interesting to see what you guys report back. But obviously, yeah. when you guys first set up the first Great Expedition, what in fact was the first Great Expedition? Uh, when we set uh, right back in the you know end of the beta period before the game went live, the original plan was that it's going to take a lot of effort to get to the core of the galaxy, you know, Sagittarius A. But then uh, when it went to Gamma, one of our members uh, actually went out there just to see if he could actually get there. And he managed to get <laughs> to the the, uh, the core. So, of course, the, we reached the core, has been um, done. So we had to modify our thing. And we basically decided to, you know, instead of being like racing to the core and that, we just changed the... Uh, the principle of the expedition to basically exploring the unknown, like the blocked off areas and the nebulas. Yeah, I know it was uh, it was something that made me smile about the fact that you guys uh, you managed to get to the core of the galaxy uh, a little bit faster than you thought you were going to. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I remember we basically did it. It was literally, yeah, you know, he didn't think he could actually get there. He just set off just to see, yeah, you know, originally to see how what the uh, star density was and that between the mm-hmm. arms, the, the gaps of the arms of the uh, galaxy. And when he was there and finally could get across okay, but it was halfway there, so we just carried on going. <laughs> we all know Go what on. happened there. Uh, basically, they got sent to the galaxy and found that there's loads of uh, bugs and everything. I'm sure you all remember the uh, patch notes for the, uh, where they changed the uh, patching to fix all the uh, lag in that and towards the centre of the galaxy. No, no, tell us more. Yeah, basically, um, back at that time and that, because uh, obviously the developers did think anyone would be actually going to the core, you know, to explore, str- you know, from the beginning. The actual um, systems that around the, uh, you know, the centre, away from the civilization, obviously it didn't run smoothly and that, so it had to be modified to run smoother. <laughs> so basically, the, the centre of the galaxy didn't work when they released it, is what you're saying? In the gamma, no. But... <laughs> Either we found out in the gamma that there was issues which, you know, Frontier Development came along and actually fixed that. So, I say, but let's explore and we'll go out and see what's out there. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to, let's bring Sam into the fray with Elite Dangerous Community on Facebook. What are you guys up to and, you know, is the current build of Elite Dangerous working out for you guys? Well... Currently, the way that uh, it's set up right now, I think it's not completely conducive to in-game guild and clan type play. Obviously, the uh, in-game group system, you know, you can't even name it. It has to be named after your character. So that's that's one thing I kind of have an issue with uh, personally. Uh, as far as the community goes, though, I mean, and how Frontier Developments is embracing uh, community-driven uh, in-game lore and role-play and expansion in that regard. The community itself, we've just taken it upon ourselves to create some some excellent role-play elements and uh, some real, uh, you know, with the systems that we flip, so to speak, kind of like the, the Luke thing and whatnot. We have several systems we've taken at this point. When we do so, we create our own lore, our own backstory, um, and we kind of create our own little kind of clan feeling type deal within that system and when the lore is good enough when the particular leaders of that subgroup within the EDC um, when they make it interesting enough and it makes enough impact it seems to have gotten Frontier Development's attention and they seem to really embrace that kind of thing so I do like that about it. Yeah so certainly the uh, the recent one being the uh, the Civil War at uh, Lou where the Crimson State have actually just recently in the last week triumphed and flipped the system and taken it over. You're right, that was all completely right. generated by the community. That was all generated by the Crimson State group that said, you, know, you have this simulation and uh, we'd like to test it out. And you say that we have the ability to have an impact on your simulation, so this is what we'd like to do. And you know, it, it just grew and grew and grew. And I knew a lot of the guys from uh, from Late Radio, they went over the two, uh, to Lou to, to have a little bit of fun. And you know, the, the overall... Uh, feedback from you know that first sort of civil war that first community um sort of shindig was it was a lot of fun you know actually in the open group right. uh with people taking on each other with all the role playing that's going in uh yeah everybody seemed to get involved everybody seemed to really enjoy you know that first bit of you know true community play within the uh, within the game 
and we're we're a really open community, so we don't look negatively upon PVE or PVP or private group play and so on. I mean, we don't favor one over the other, and we try and create the subgroups that can perform their tasks with uh, the inclusion of all types of players, like even if they're just a PVE-type uh, player, they, they can still contribute to a system being flipped. Our most recent one was ETA Draconis, for example, and if you're just a trader, you can participate. If you're a PVP guy, you can still participate. If you're PVE, you can, for example. So as as kind of counterintuitive, and I know that's kind of a really negative word to put on uh, open versus solo, all in all influencing the same galaxy. As counterintuitive as that seems, uh, we still kind of work around it, but it does seem to really be a, a major conflict of interest when uh, you can do so much work in open and it can be sabotaged in solo and vice versa. So, Yeah, Liam? Yeah, we got, uh, I mean, in our group, although we're pretty much purely a PVE group, we do actually have a policy of having a and areas where PvP is allowed. So with the, with the type of the Lou conflict, or Lou conflict, how you want to pronounce it, um, our, our policy is that um, players can actually PvP in a conflict zone. So yeah, they actually contributed, a lot of players contributed uh, in the Lou conflict in their own way. But as I said, our group is uh, only within combat zones where you know, a player has to choose a side. Well, but it's, yeah, it's great that um, yeah we got involved in it as well in our own way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and bring Sam back in on this latest point because obviously we've got another community event that's just been launched by uh, Frontier for the the Titan graphics cards. The idea being for those people that haven't read the newsletter is that dotted around the galaxy there is uh, a place where you can buy these uh, graphics card in a station and transport them across the galaxy to another station. And the first people to come over and actually sell their uh, sell their goods will actually receive a free Titan. I think it's a Titan Black uh, in real life, an Nvidia Titan Black, uh, which is a fantastic card worth around about eight hundred pounds. But the stipulation from Frontier is that these things must be bought, flown, and then sold in the open group, uh, opening up, of course, to pirates. So for the explorers, if they go out there, they can find the uh, they can find the station selling this cargo. Um, but for the pirates, they could possibly, if they wanted to, just lie in wait at the station where they need to sell this and intercept, you know, do a quick cargo scan and intercept any player that comes in to sell that cargo and potentially steal it off them and quickly dock up and, uh, and get the goods. Now, this is Frontier Developments forcing, to a certain degree, uh, PvP on all groups. Sam, do you think this is a good idea, bad idea? Do you think they're sort of pandering to the people that we had on last week that were saying that everything should be open, everything should be PvP, or do you think it's just you know, Frontier just adding another element into the community group? Well, and that's a that's an excellent question, and that's one I kind of try and uh, we we try and figure out within our group and look look at the conversations that take place. You know, it it really seems that the 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 loudest voices right now in this are the former uh, Eve Online type players, the the guys that want a PVE, or not PVE, sorry, but the guys that embrace the PVP aspect of it. It seems to be coming the loudest from that side. I w I wouldn't necessarily call it pandering, but what I do see in Frontier Developments right now, and this may not be the most popular opinion, but uh, what I see is what looks to be like kind of a uh, state of confusion as to whether they want to embrace one aspect over another. Um, and it goes back to my comment earlier about open and solo influencing the same galaxy. But, you know, the fact that it does seem forced for this uh, this graphics card thing, it does seem to be... It, it seems that uh, it would be easy to get that impression that they're now trying to force one game type versus the other, when instead, you know, I would wonder why they don't just make uh, the, the game types separate from each other completely in the game then if that's the case you know i i don't know what their thought process but it seems confusing to me yeah i think confusing is probably a good way of putting it uh, let's bring chris in chris obviously you see a lot of different community members coming in and interacting with the twitch stream as you guys are actually doing stuff what's the uh, what's the general feel being about you know obviously the current state of play and the whole uh, solo versus open play honestly I i'm kind of in the same boat where i i, I feel like solo play 
it's necessary, but by the same token, I, I feel kind of shafted sometimes when I go into open and all of my dealings in open are completely subverted by those who may be in solo. But I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing because that really, like, putting a limitation on one or the other would really ruin everybody's experience in the end. I don't, I, it's hard for me to really comment any further on that other than that you know that's just my opinions no absolutely chris i mean obviously in game you uh, fly your imperial wing uh i take it that that wing flies under the uh, the open group does it uh yeah if we're doing pvp we're always in open obviously <laughs> uh, we, so we started out in a in a private group um but as Twitch streamers, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to just fly in open because uh, you really invite a lot of um, undesirables coming in and basically <laughs> knowing exactly what you're doing at all times. So it's a, it's a it's kind of a struggle. You really, if you want to if you want to fly and, and advertise where you're at at all times, you either need to do one of two things. Be prepared to get griefed by people watching you or fly in solo. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a brave pilot who uh, who flies in the open group with their you know their stream broadcasting on open view to everybody. Um, Alison, you say brave now, mate. I just see it as a part of the gameplay. When I'm playing uh, Elite Dangerous, it's always in the open, and I'm streaming pretty much constantly. So I don't talk over the stream. I just literally just streaming the gameplay. Okay, and for all those filthy pirates out there that want to ambush you, just give us your Twitch stream uh, ID. It's a wish blend. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, Liam, your view on this? Uh, yeah, with the just going back to the comment regarding how uh, the all group uh, are arguing that yeah, their hard work is uh, influenced by private groups or solo players. The same goes the other way, whereby you can have players in the, their private groups trying to do their own thing, and the uh, old group interfering with uh, their work. It's it's an argument both ways, so their argument is rather sort of invalid. Well, my only argument here is okay. Let's take the Luke conflict for instance. I flow, I, I fly for an Imperial wing or uh, for an Imperial fleet rather, and I made the call to arms for my fleet to join in on the Crimson State group and fight against the Federation. Um, and so, so we had a whole bunch of people out in Lou, uh, fighting for Crimson State Group. Um, anybody who went red on us, in other words, if you join the Federation side, we instantly start shooting at you, right? My issue is that after having compared the two community goals, um, both the Federation side and the Crimson State side, uh, the numbers weren't matching up properly based on what we saw, it was an open. So my only, well, I have two conclusions. I'm going to go with the conclusion that, um, one, it's very possible that people were sitting in solo, chilling underneath the, um, uh, the capital class ships, the federal capital class ships, and they can basically just sit there all day long with zero threat and cash in huge amounts of bounties. Whereas if I'm in open, I have to contend with not only do I have to contend with other players who potentially want to kill me, but other players that potentially want to steal my bounties or combat bonds or whatever. So it, it, my progress, even though I'm having all this PvP interaction, my progress is significantly impeded compared to the person who can sit in solo and not have to worry about any of those things. Yes, it's solo. Solo is sort of something a bit different. I mean, our group, um, I know we had quite a few of our players fight for the Crimson uh, in the the areas where we allow PvP. So, but I, I know we had, I, I've been taken out by uh, a couple of Federation pilots uh, when I was doing the um, Lao conflict. So, uh, it, it's, I think the argument is let's ban the solo group. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't think it's necessary that we that we segregate them, but there needs to be some kind of way to balance it. I, I think what should be done or could be done is a locking. You join a group, or you join either. They they if FD was to start up a PVE group, uh, as in like you join all, join PVE, join solo, and we're going to lock you into that. Uh, the only way you can get out of that is having your ship blown up. 
and then gives you the option to actually join your group or private group. Well, and if I could chime in here, without knowing FD's intentions, I mean, I don't know them at all, but if if I get a feeling from any of this, it's that eventually they may just completely separate the servers. One separate for open, one separate for solo. Where private groups would fit in there, I don't know. But it kind of sounds like that that may be where they end up heading, whether they say they're going to or not. It's It seems like that may be the issue. That's an interesting point. I mean, the other question, of course, to all of this is whether or not you think that Frontier Development are actually uh, aware of this sort of disconnect between you know, all these different parties, whether or not they're aware that you know, the open players are a little bit miffed at the, the solo stroke PvE guys and they think that there's a, a disconnect. Are they aware that people think that there's a, you know, a, an unbalanced situation, certainly with things like the, you know, the Lou conflict where it can be flipped by solo yeah, are they listening to the community on that front, or is there a voice within the community that can take that point over to uh, Frontier? Obviously, we don't want to harp on too much about uh, EVE Online, but the EVE Online ended up with the you know, Council of Stellar Management, uh, where members of the community actually took the views of the community and fed them back. We've had the DDF during development, but the DDF at the moment is very much a closed well, not so much closed down, but certainly it's sort of it's filtered out until you know frontier developments you know, are required at service again. What do you think about that, Sam? Well, with the community uh, feedback, I think that uh, in particular, frontier may be a little overwhelmed at this point. I mean, they are listening to the community, and when a community knows that a developer is listening to community, that developer gets plenty of feedback from the community. So I'm when you see their particular updates. Uh, like, for instance, this uh, update that came with 1.2 and wings and whatnot, you see all the other little uh, patch notes. A lot of them seem to address a lot of the community issues, but then a lot of issues still seem to be outstanding, and I think maybe they just have uh, priorities that m maybe if they do know about the open versus solo problem, they're just not addressing it at this time. I, I don't know. Okay, Chris? Uh, I think ultimately the the reason why we haven't seen anything on this is because balancing it would be impossible. They they want to allow this game to be open to everybody to play in all their own ways, and they don't want to to um, put anyone in a particular box and ruin their experience. So if they were to separate the two, not only would you you would yeah you would hear a bunch of people cheering out yay we finally got it but you'd also have a bunch of people that would be pretty discouraged by the fact that okay if i play in solo which is where i feel safe and want to play the majority of the time that means now i can no longer play in open or my save no longer carries or i can't really think of a single situation in which they could fix the issue and keep it balanced I think my biggest problem with the whole situation is that playing an open, while yes, you do get a little bit more random player interaction than if you were to be in, say, a giant PvE group, there's no additional reward for it. It's a lot of risk, but no additional reward. And you can see that, for instance, um, I know you guys had, you had code on the show last week. I'm friends with a lot of the code pirates, and I'm friends with a lot of pirates in general. Well... In order to be a pirate, you kind of need to be an open. I mean, yeah, you can PvE pirate, but that's not fun. But there's no incentive other than the experience to doing that. So when you are potentially blown up, which happens a lot for pirates, um, you pretty much have to go back and fall back on that solo mode to get your money back so that you don't lose everything in one terribly played pvp match that balance is really hard and i and i i really don't know how they would be able to to fix it well before i bring allison in here just uh, to talk a little bit about the the code that we're on last week and you know jp anopheles who is the guy we had on from the code yeah made a really good point in the fact that it kind of changes the way that you have to be a pirate in the fact that you have to be the nicest blooming pirate in the known galaxy because you need to be able to pirate a player in such a way that you don't um, 
piss them off enough that they go into the solo mode. Basically, you need to be able to role play it in such a way that the person being pirated enjoys the experience of being pirated such a to the extent where they'll give you a little bit of cargo and they'll continue on their way and they'll think, actually, I just I've just experienced something nice and fun to role play. But what you don't want to do is basically just turn up in the system, find this guy who's doing their trade run of rares or whatever, and without doing anything at all, just blow them out of the uh, blow them out of space and make them go, "Well, that was pretty shit." Uh, I'm not doing that again. I'm just going to stick to uh, stick to solo play. So uh, JP and the code were saying that you know it's forcing them to be nice pirates basically and and trying to encourage people to come into the open world and stay in the open world and give them something to go after otherwise it's a very very boring life for a pirate so that was an interesting an interesting uh, aspect to view uh, from last week's show um allison yeah with regards to the uh, different groups and that uh when we're um, with regards to exploring side of things a lot of the deep space explorers, which a lot of our members in our group do, is they go out really, really deep. I'm talking about you know, 20, 30,000 light years out and then come back. And when they're coming back, you're always keeping an eye on your radar if you're in open for any, you know, say, pirates or NPCs, human who are attacking, because you just don't want to get killed and lose all that nav data. So it's uh, sometimes, you know, people drop into get a private group to just sneak back in, others that come back in open. It uh, depends on the situation, but as I say, yeah. pirates and that, I had one instance in the past where I got indicted and before I even knew what was happening, basically the person who indicted me just constantly shot me and killed me. So that made me, instead of dropping any goods I have, I basically just run. But most of the time I don't have out anyway. <laughs> Okay, well, give us some sort of idea of, uh, you know, cost of, uh, yeah, what's the implication of that is to an explorer. So, how long would it take you, in sort of real terms, to to fly out your, you know, your your deep space mission? Uh, well, I did a run out to Sagittarius A in that, um, oh, a few months back, and I didn't make it well out there myself because I ended up uh, suiciding because I need to get back to civilization for. Um, the getter and that, yeah, uh, and also, uh, you know, uh, it took me to get out uh, within or oh, four thousand light, yeah, four, four to six thousand light years of uh, the core. It took me about three, four weeks. Crikey! It, okay, so you got three or four weeks worth of uh, real world, uh, real world time to get out there. How much would you estimate, you know, just roughly, the nav data that you would have collected on that run to have been worth when you brought it back? Um, on average, just going off the basic system runs and that, it could easily hit, uh, you know, you know, ten, twenty million and that on nav data if you're doing a yeah, full system scans on your trips. Okay, so 15 or 20 million credits worth of uh, data in your haul. You've been doing it for three weeks, and then you want to come back and you want to run the gauntlet of doing it in open play. You can see why, as an explorer, it would be easy to just hit that solo button and sneak back in. Yeah, it all depends on the time you come back in, Yeah, different time zones, and also where you come back in. Because if, if you go back into like uh, somewhere like Lave and that, you're just asking for it. But if you go to one of the random, you know, unknown systems, that, then, yeah, usually you'll be okay. I can imagine, however, that if you did try and uh, run the gauntlet into a populated system, it would be uh, a little bit pants wetting, a little bit sphincter twitching, to say the least. But um, Chris, let's bring you in on this. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to touch on what Allison said. I mean, I'd be, I would be lying if I said I didn't drop in a solo every now and then just to subvert certain things that I, that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, for instance, in the same vein where you would come back in solo just to avoid that, or not avoid, but I want to say reduce the risk of being destroyed after three to four weeks worth of data collecting. I mean. I, I find myself every now and then when I'm going out to, let's say, when we were out doing Lou, when I'm driving out there, I'll drop in a solo just so that I don't have to worry about on my way to the station where I'm going to go get outfitted to do combat. You know, I'm still in my 
long distance jump range outfitting. I don't want to get caught with my pants down while I'm doing that. And I'm going to a place where potentially like the lave area, I could get caught with my pants down. Um, so uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you do the majority. Well, it's a little different for exploration because you're thinking the entire time you're out there, you're in open, you don't see anybody anyway. And then you come back and you, you have this false sense of security. Like, well, no one's ever going to, you know, take me out because I haven't seen anybody in a month. But then, <laughs> you know, at that last moment, here comes Joe so-and-so who has no idea who I am or what I've just done for the last month and decides he just wants to take it out on me. And there are quite a few griefers out there. Um, so it does happen every now and then. Okay. Um I'm, Alison, I'm going to bring you in on this and I'm going to come back to Chris's point on the fact there is a lot of griefers out there. Yeah, with regards to um, being out, once you're out past the uh, 500 light year mark and you lose the NPCs, uh, you basically don't have anybody else out there. It's like you're playing in solo. I'd have to disagree. We have had members that have gone out um, like the Eagle Nebula and that. Uh, that's really right, right out there. And they've come across two or three you know, human players out there while I've been exploring. Yeah, and were those human you... players? Were they just uh, there, sort of flashing their their ship lights and showing their, uh, you know, their cargo scoots at each other, or were they going, ha 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 ha, I found you. There's nobody else to hear you scream, and I'm going to deploy your weapons. Uh, no, so far we've all it's always been a friendly, uh, you know, meeting out there. But but people saying, oh, they take all the weapons off the, uh, you know, the ships and that to get the uh, jump range out of the ship and that because it's lighter ship. Yep. Myself, I always have a full complement of lasers on my ship. Because, <laughs> okay, there's no NPCs out past the 500 light year mark. Or should I say, there's no NPCs at the moment out past the 500 year mark. You've got at least one alien, the Thargoids, out there somewhere. But we know there's another you know, race out there as well, but we don't know who they are yet. Right, okay. Um, I can understand you role-playing that, but at the moment, knowing what we do for Frontier, we know that they haven't got around to designing those races yet, so you're probably pretty safe for the time being. Didn't they say the Thargoids are out there somewhere, but haven't been found yet? Yeah, they did, but I'm pretty sure that means they haven't got around to designing the Thargoid ships. But, you know, who am I to say? Maybe there are indeed uh, you know, some surprises out there for the explorers, uh, but... Um, I would have to say uh, you probably the the most um, the the biggest threat that you're going to come across out there is probably still going to be your fellow player. You might be right, but as I say, you you never know what's out there. Yeah, you see, I think it's uh, it's uh, too much time on your own. You explorers out there in deep space, I think you're starting to jump at shadows. The main limitation we have with the uh, exploration at the moment is the fact that we've only got the one uh, commander slot. I know okay. it's coming in the future, but I don't know when. But if we basically sit out in the main exhibition with all of our members, so to speak, we go out, say, to explore a few nebulas or the core. Yeah, we're out there. We can't take part in the community events like the uh, Reason But for Lug or the Navigation One for the Alliance because we're out in deep space now, so we're not in civilization. But if we had a second oh, commander, okay. we better have. Yeah, the main expedition out exploring, and they can swap back to the other commander for a break from the exploring. That's an interesting thought. I mean, obviously, at the moment, you've only got the one commander. Multiple commanders should be coming in at some point in the future. It's definitely on the drawing board, but nobody's given us an idea of what sort of time frame they're working to on that. Um, so you're saying that basically you would like to have someone left back in, in civilization so that if there is a juicy community event... You guys are stranded 500 light years out in deep space and you can jump back into your different commander slot and, uh, and join in the fun. Yeah, originally when we set up, we were told there were going to be three slots enough for the commanders. This is like before the game went live. So mm -hmm. his plan was going to be one for the main expedition, one for you know, staying in civilization, you know, for anything you, know, you want to do, play with your friends, etc., etc. And then a third one for you know, whatever you want to do. But because there's only the one yeah, commander at the moment, 
you can only do one thing like either the combat or the missions around the civilization or we go out deep exploring we can't do both at the same time that brings us on quite nicely to another question i was i was going to ask you guys and that is um you know what features or functionalities would you like to see added to the game in order to support your you know your particular group's activity so Alison for you it would obviously be multiple commanders to allow you to you know jet off into deep space yet still have the option of coming back and participating in some of these you know interesting community activities that frontier development are throwing out there what other stuff as an explorer would you like to see added to the game that would make you know the job of an explorer you know more interesting at the moment is a when you're deep space exploring the main bit you're finding is the the static systems. And by static, I mean you jump into the system and that's basically it. You basically you do a deep scan, you, know, you explore the individual bits and bobs, you explore the nebulas, and you go with the asteroid belts, et cetera, and so on. But there's no dynamic um, events like uh, supernovas exploding, etc. We do have a magnetar star on the edge of civilization, uh, I think it's uh, Jackson's Lighthouse. When I first went to that, I actually bypassed it. You know, when I come back from a uh, deep space uh, run, because I didn't want to go into there. So I thought, magnets, maybe it's going to wipe all my nav data. It didn't, but I was thinking things like that. Yeah, good options. And I suppose, obviously, for you guys in terms of functionality and um, features, you'd probably like to see some alien races or maybe some alien artifacts. I certainly would, you know, from my side of things. Yes, we'd um, like to find, uh, you know, an alien ship or something. One th- an idea that came up, I think, on the forums a while back, you know, the FG ones, was the idea that uh, deep space explorers out in deep space, they come across a wreck. You know, like in the USS or something, they scan the wreck and there's um, salvageable parts. They salvage the parts, you know, and go back to civilization, sell the part they find to a, a developer or something in the station, and that part actually then develops into uh, the, like the plans for that ship that was a wreck. Then the ship gets built now, like a, you know, so the ship was found in the deep space and that, and uh, basically gets reverse engineered. And that lead on to a lot of uh, sub-stories. Interesting. Yeah, that would be a great way of um, that'd be a great way of building uh, building new ship types into the game, and it would also be a really good explorer-centered uh, community event. Yes, the more people that bring you know, details back from the actual wrecks, could be uh, developing like how long it takes to build it, and then the ones that actually provide the the most information on the like, kind of reward tiers. They actually get uh, the uh, built ship as a prototype free. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It's um, oh, somebody uh, somebody chime in here. What was the the ship in Elite Law that was it the Constrictor uh, in the original game that was supposed to be the final ship from all the missions from the original Elite game? Um, that was I can't remember if it was actually in some of the builds of the original Elite or whether or not it was just a an Elite uh, urban myth. Seriously, none of you know your elite law. Come no, on. Well, the, the only thing I remember was the invisible asp. The invisible asp? Oh, the cloaking device. Yes, there was a cloaking yeah. device. I do remember the cloaking device. But there was, uh, wasn't there a ship at the at the end of the galaxy? All the people listening to this are all crying at their radio, shouting out exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling it was the constrictor, but I'm not, I'm not completely sure. And I'm not also completely sure if it wasn't in a, a couple of builds, but not in the most of them. Who knows? I'm sure people will get in touch, and on the next show, I'll uh, I'll report back and say exactly what it is. But to have that sort of um, that sort of goal for explorers would be quite cool. You know, to be able to go out and find various blueprints, bring it back, and yeah, as you say, the people that have brought back the most amount of the sort of relic parts actually get one of those ships built for them free of charge. Um, yeah, that would be very cool. Yeah, and of course, then once it uh, it's been built, you know, it'll be a ship or an engine or weapon or anything, then yeah, the person who did the most gets the actual item free. Yeah, so they have a hanger effect, hanger or something. But then it actually gets put onto the market so other people can actually buy it. <laughs> yeah, okay. And the, the, the caveat of that, of course, is the person who gets that ship free of charge, uh, the first one in the galaxy to get it, uh, is then locked into open mode for the first month of it flying. Well, possibly, yeah. But say it's just ideas and that uh, to expand the uh, exploring. So at the moment on exploring... 
the most we get is we go out exploring, you fly the through the supernovas or the uh, nebulas, etc., and come back and sell the data. But that's pretty much all we can do on exploring at the moment. I'm sure there will be more coming in the future, but at the moment, that's all we've got. No, from the Explorer side of things, I think that would be pretty good features and functionalities to add. Um, let's go around the panel and just see sort of blue sky thinking, what features and functions you would actually like to see in the game that would help support the sort of stuff that you guys are doing. Um, Liam, let's go with you. All right, well, uh, I think for me, what I've uh, picked up is um, group management. As, uh, it's severely lacking at the moment. So when you look at your group list, uh, it's not in alphabetical order. You can't search for a particular player name. Um, there are no other options, which were discussed during the DDF about um, group functionality, as in, like, you can set up a group and have you know, players report crimes, uh, and there'll be certain actions where I think uh, one topic was uh, if a player, if you're in a private group and a player within your group attacks another player, you have the option of either kicking, automatically kicking that player or uh, putting a bounty on them. So as in kicking them back into the all group until their bounty is cleared. But again, none of that's actually materialised. Okay, well that's a, quite an interesting point. And maybe just you know, look be a, look under the hood a little bit of the, the Mobius group because obviously the Mobius group is, you know, it's a PVE group. Uh, I'm sure there must be some people that go into the Mobius group thinking it's a PVE group. Let's see if we can't uh, hijack it a bit and go in there and do a bit of PVP and, uh, and and grief a little, or you know, do a bit uh, of metagaming in there. What happens to those people? Well, we've we've had about four instances, uh, and they've been happening about the past three weeks. And I think two of them were part of code uh, that came into our group to purely grief the players. Uh, obviously. I've got pretty much a gripe with that because they're they're going out of their game, out of their way to actually cause trouble. Um, I'm sort of under the impression that they found it a bit too difficult in the all group, so uh, they sort of like come to attack players which have no interest in PvP. <laughs> but um, what we what we've got is uh, a policy of uh, instant bans. So as soon as we as soon as the uh, player who's been griefed, because it is griefing, it's not like I was I was role playing. They've purely come to the group knowing it's a PvE group, to attack players. And that's, that's grief, and it's pure griefing. And t- two of them were from Code. We had uh, one today, which is in the forums earlier today, posting that I'm going to go into the Mobius <laughs> group, and I'm going to cause some trouble. And I'm like, oh, great. So, obviously, he's not using his, his commander name, so you sort of react, you have to react to it. And then as soon as you know, the player says, oh, I, I was griefed by this player, I then sort of like have to do a search through the group roster and uh, t- have great satisfaction kicking that uh, player out of the group. Crikey. Uh, no sort of uh, innocent until proven guilty. It's literally just one uh, one player's name, uh, one player's word against another. Uh, well, no, no, screenshot is is really needed. I mean, you could oh, yeah. have, um, you know, th- there have been in the past where I was attacked by so-and-so and uh, you know, it takes a few days to investigate it and, you know, at the end of it is, uh, it, it turned out to be an NPC. So, <laughs> I, I, so I, I, you know, we have to remind players that, you know, it's, it's a hollow, if it's a hollow uh, uh, radar uh, signature, then it's a player. So um, with that, yeah, that was, that was a real dead end that was. So going forward, I said that if the if you it really really helps by supplying us with a screenshot, uh, and there have been sort of times where they've supplied a screenshot and the player w- uh, wasn't actually playing in our group; he was playing in the all group. Uh, and again, so instances like that, uh, that very rare happen, but the recent ones are uh, they've been giving me a screenshot. There's a commander name. Here's him attacking me. You can see that you know he's purely in red and radar. And at that point, I go right kick. He's out of the group. Uh, and if it was a genuine mistake, uh, which we had with the player last week, um, he was uh, just testing out some uh, interdiction. He interdicted somebody. Uh, and again, that's against our group policy to actually do that because it's an aggressive behaviour towards another player. But it was a genuine mistake. He wanted to be part, remain part of the group against us. I say, yeah, no problem. But obviously, you're a bit wiser regarding our group policy at the moment. But uh, the other ones where you know, I've kicked them, they've gone into the forums uh, and trolled uh, on the forums to try and sort of like bait 
people into uh, getting involved in the topic regarding solo versus all versus private. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd try not to buy it. Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I'd like to find the group that has absolutely nobody can kill me. I want to play and nobody, NPCs or real players are not allowed to attack me. That's the group that I think everybody <laughs> wants to find. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Sam, for you guys, what features and functionalities have people been talking about uh, that they'd like to see in the game? What's making the most amount of noise on the uh, on the Facebook group? Well, uh, another thing uh, on Liam's point is the in-game group management and all those aspects, you know, as I say, said before, we can only create a group uh, and it's going to be named after the member who creates it. There's no description for it. There's no custom name, obviously. And uh, with our Facebook group, we're creating so many uh, subgroups within it that are, like I said, uh, kind of like clans. Um, but then when they do want to play in a private group, they just need to either form one on a player and again it's going to be named after that player or just join the smitty Jaegerman group which is edc's in-game private group well the the thing with that is is that it's just one big group and uh these guys kind of want to feel they want to feel like their their clan is contained within the one group but uh for my next improvement uh and one that's a real pet peeve to me personally is player trading i mean we are still restricted to dropping a can and having the player pick it up and sell it. I just really, really think that this is very counterintuitive, and I think players need to be able to trade back and forth credits or parts, or we need to be able to haul parts in in uh, in cargo bays and such because it's, it's just really, you know, it's a multiplayer game, but a lot of those aspects that would make it feel like you're interacting with your fellow player just aren't there other than wings or destroying each other. Yeah, I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Chris, from obviously the Twitch TV side of things, uh, what have people been saying to you guys in terms of things they want to see added to the universe, added to the game? Uh, well, I think I, I would have to agree with both of the prior points made by uh, Liam and, and Sam. Uh, having a fleet or a guild or, or, or a corporation or whatever would be really nice. Having some kind of organization would be really great for all your friends. Um, player trading, that's huge. Uh, I think player economy in general needs to be a thing, but you know, that's a, a entirely separate topic. I think ultimately what, what I think we're boiling everything down to is that there are some significant server issues and being able to group with your friends properly, or even from my perspective, I live in North America. I can't group with Europeans at all. For some reason, the game does not allow me to play with my European friends, and I have a ton, so you can see how that's frustrating. So we have that aspect. I think the servers need fixed quite a bit. Like, they just need to be... The netcode needs to be overhauled or something, because the instance that was happening out in Lou, and I'm reading everything on Reddit, and people are talking about, oh, we're we're part of the Federation, we're in open, we're out here dominating. And I've been like, well, I've been out here for eight hours, I've never seen you guys. Clearly, you know, if I have 12 guys out with me and we're the only ones in the instance, then there's something not right there when there there are, you know, dozens of other wings out there fighting the same battles, so to speak. And, and we haven't met you guys. Why is that an issue? We should be able to meet equally strong groups. Uh, and there, it's it's clearly a server or an instancing issue. And I'm not sure what's going on there. That needs to be fixed for certain. That and combat logging. The combat logging issue is ridiculous, and it needs to go. Like, it's just, it breaks the game. That's if From somebody who PvPs a lot, that's one of the worst things that happens in the game. It ruins the fun of pirates. It ruins the fun of people who are looking strictly to do combat. It's just, there's nothing worse. Well, and I completely agree with the combat logging. I, I probably should have brought that up myself. That I come from a very PvP-heavy background as well in uh, several MMOs. Um, and combat logging is just so easily fixed that I, I just don't even know why it's possible right now. I mean, you, you basically just need to have a delay in someone being able to log, for example, or their character remains uh, persistent once they do. But then another point I had uh, with the... As far as uh, what Chris had touched on was expanding on the player trading thing um, would be 
the other issue of right now we've got community goals and they're great but uh to make a long story short i do think that the community goals could be more dynamic and just be uh ongoing and could pop up randomly or something could make them happen rather than the uh the developer injects it and you participate in that one and then you move on to the next one or it be completely community made. But I would wonder if there's a way to actually make the server and the developers get into the mode of making dynamic community goals that are just, you know, they come up, they come about by results of uh, players doing certain things, but not just the, the front, the developer injecting them. Oh yeah, yeah. I would tend to agree with you on what what you're saying there, Sam. I I I dislike that. I I take that back. I like that there are developer injected community events, but I think that we're since it's currently only limited to that, it really kind of ruins the idea of community events. They, right. They, that's that's what I mean exactly. They don't. There's no. Uh, it, it's very boring almost. Just you sit around waiting for them to make a community event when. I should be able to fly to this place out in the middle of nowhere and nobody even knows about it because it's not shown up on Galnet. And, hey, there's a community event here. I can call in all my buddies and we can start working together on this thing or maybe even force one. Um, you guys remember when the whole boom thing was happening and people were doing um, luxury trading? Yeah. Like if that was something we could do, like, okay, we, we made this system go into boom and now there's a community event. And we made the community event happen. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. Which is certainly something that, um, you know, in the development cycle, uh, Frontier Development were all about, you know, players being able to have these impacts on the galaxy. So if you wanted to, you know, blockade an area you know, and stop getting food getting in, for example, then you'd cause famine. You know, if, um, you know, if you were trading high quality goods, the, the market would crash and things like that. Um, we haven't really seen that level of uh, dynamism if that's a word, right. uh, within the actual simulation yet. And one qu other quick thing, mining. It's just, it just seems to be completely pointless. You only get money for it. It doesn't contribute towards anything in particular. And we have so many community members that want to make an EDC subgroup for mining like they have for all of their activities. And because it's so pointless, we just, no one's had the uh, motivation to create it yet. Yeah, absolutely. Although we should say that the the mining element, they have just brought in a new um, a new resource that can only be uh, only only be gained through mining, um, which is worth I think it was worth thirty thirty five thousand credits per ton. Uh, I think it's called Panite, Painite, something like that, um, which is Frontier Development, I suppose, making inroads or making uh, you know, making motions towards the mining element to make it more more of a feasible uh, career opportunity great yeah uh, but yeah I would agree uh, having tried mining in the um, in the alpha uh, it's something I haven't gone back to uh, I think the whole aspect of having to scoop up every single yeah right. rock that comes off a, an asteroid is uh, is tedious to a level that uh, yeah it's it's not grinding it's just tedious um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, mining needs to be shown a little bit of love, uh, and something tells you that the latest PowerPlay uh, update that we're getting next. Uh, I mean, PowerPlay. I don't know what you guys reckon, but PowerPlay doesn't sound uh, doesn't shout mining at me in any way, shape, or form. So the miners might have to wait a little bit longer. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for this particular episode of Lave Radio's Conclave. Uh, massive thank you to Alison, to Sam, to Liam, and also to Chris. Uh, before you go, guys, let's just find out where people can find you and your groups if they wanted to. Let's start off with Alison. If people wanted to find the First Great Expedition, where should they explore? Uh, should go to firstgreatexpedition.org. That's the main homepage. From there, it's got links to our forums and our Facebook group. Brilliant stuff. And Liam, obviously, if people want to join the Mobius group, it, uh, as it's a little bit self-evident, we know exactly where they should be able to find that in-game. What about out-of-game? Out-of-game, you can find us at uh, ElitePVE.com. I want to say something else. We've got, um, we're also part of a, a sort of a larger organisation, uh, which we call ourselves Unity, which encompasses our group, First Great Expedition, and Test Mostly Harmless. And the idea is that between the three of our three groups, we encompass combat, trading, and exploration. Okay. Sam, where can people find you? 
Uh, Facebook, uh, search, just do a search for Elite Dangerous Community, or EDC, in other words. Um, on the web, we are at edcofficial.com. Uh, our in-game group is Smitty Jaegerman. Awesome stuff. And finally, Chris, what about your Twitch group? Well, we're spread across a bunch of platforms with that, but uh, you can find my Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash amnislupus. That's A-M-N-I-S-L-U-P-U-S. That's a tough one, but... Not a problem at all. Okay, well, that's it for this show, guys. Thank you very much for coming on and joining us in the Conclave. Until the next episode, fly safe. And if you can't do that, join a group. Two seconds, I'll be right back.